Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we discuss The Carpenter by John Gordon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is Nick Kleitch, the co-host, the voice, and with me as always are my good buds, Cole Szynski and Jeremy Machino. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Nick, we're doing good. We're, uh, I think we're about to try to follow up the one of the best episodes that we have ever had. So it'll be interesting to see how well we do. If you did not, if you were not able to go listen to that, please do that now. It was a very good episode. But man, it's been a great week. It's been a great day. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah, Coach Z was definitely a great get for us, and and his episode was a lot of fun. Even just listening back, obviously we were the ones that recorded it, um, but I, I went back and listened to it, and there were things that I took away that I didn't even take away from talking to him, which was really cool. But uh, I had, ex- had an experience, you guys, that happened to me this week that I wanted to share, and it's going to get us rolling, actually, into the book, The Carpenter, um, that we're going to be talking about. Um, so I had someone this week that all three of us know um, unfortunately say to me, and I'm not going to say name, I'm not going to say where or how or, or whatever, but, um, they said, what do you guys think you're experts just because you have a podcast and you've read a couple books? And, um, that really struck me. And, and I really had to think about that because, um, I don't know about you two guys, but I'm very proud of, of our podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we have people listen to this regularly and they get, get things out of this. And, um, as I was actually reading through The Carpenter, on one of the very last pages, there was a quote that said, um, and it's, it's talking about our, main, our two main characters, it said, they would spend a little time together to talk and prepare for the day ahead. The Carpenter always shared encouraging advice that Michael needed to hear, and in turn, Michael would share it with others. And I think that's exactly what we want to do here, you guys. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like we're experts by any means on any of this stuff we talk about. As a matter of fact, I mean, we're... We're talking about John Gordon. He's the expert. We're talking about Ed Milet. We're talking about Dr. Med J. And when I, I, I would never want someone who listens to us, even if, if they only listen to us one time, to think that we're thinking we're experts or think we know it all or think we have it all figured out because we certainly don't. At least I don't. And for anyone that, that is listening to this, I hope you know that um, and, and the message that I, I always want to try to convey and the three of us as a as a collective always want to try to convey is um we just want to give off a little encouraging advice whether it's to start your day whether it's to start your week um or whether it's it's just to 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 give me a little pick me up throughout the day and and give a positive message that not only we can share with whoever listens to this but also so that whoever does listen to this can go and share with other people and um that positive message can be spread and so um yeah i don't know it it was just really odd how that happened to me, but I, I read that. And obviously we've had a lot of these weird occurrences as we've been reading through these books, but, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of my, my first little taste of adversity. And, and it really made me think. If you think that we think that we're experts, like, come on guys, like you have, you have missed the point of this podcast. Like the, the point of this podcast has gotten so far over your head that you don't even probably listen to us to like get something out of it. Like we are 20 something years old trying to figure out our way in life and, and document it basically through this podcast and help other people out. Like there is no sense in the form or no sense in the word that we are experts in whatsoever. So, I mean, if you think we're experts, awesome. If you think that we think that we're experts, um, yeah, this podcast is probably over your head at this point. Well, I, uh, I think I've, or I, I know this for a fact, I don't know a single time that we've declared ourselves that way. 
Have we? No, I will I will not declare myself an expert on John Gordon. And that's exactly why I wanted to share it. I don't want to share it out of spite. I don't want to share it out of um just, you know, being petty or or whatever like it may come across as. I just I thought it was interesting to have that experience and have to think back on it and and think about the message that we're trying to convey and the message that we're actually conveying and the things that we're actually getting across to people. Um and I just I just wanted to to clear that up and clarify that we're not experts and and by no means would we ever, I don't think, think we're experts. And um, I'm certainly not going to declare myself an expert. I'm not going to declare either of these guys experts. But um, it's just, you know, as far as this book goes, like this book, it it was just funny how that experience happened. And I read that just like a lot of different things that um, John Gordon has written and how they've kind of tied into our lives as well. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that those things happen. And, and it's funny because our core foundation is trying to essentially light a candle in the midst of adversity for a whole year. <laughs> so uh, truthfully speaking, I think the, the most mature route to go on these situations is just to wish them the best of luck. And, uh, you know, for those fellow people and loyal people that we have listening to us, thank you so much for the support. I think you get it. I think you get that we're just trying to portray a message and uh, we're essentially at a conduit for, uh, for these information or this information. Uh, and so we found John to be a, a great author and we've learned a lot from him. Um, but at any rate, Cole, I, I, and Cole and Jeremy, I, I think it's time for us to kind of get into the good stuff here. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and give them your impressions of the book, Nick, and, and we can get off and rolling on The Carpenter. Yeah, and uh, in the back of my mind, I'm going to make sure I put forth my best effort to make sure that if that do- individual does listen, that they-, they know this is our best individual episode as well too. Um, so when I first read this book, Uh, There's been a lot of different storylines within John Gordon's writing that I've really appreciated. And uh, this this one's about mastery. And and this one is about being able to cultivate a a business or an approach to life that uh, not only we understand on, on how to make sure that we're doing the best that we can every day, but to know that the whole process and the whole journey of life is creating this masterpiece. And uh, the carpenter uh, in the book, he's very good at this. And for those clients that he comes across, uh, he has business lining out the door because he is so good at his craft and he's mastered it. uh, Yet it's so kind of old school, depending on, you know, where we're at in the 21st century business wise, but um, really good start off to the book. So uh, he meets the main character through kind of a sudden accident. Um, this guy is having a lot of stress from work and home uh, and he ends up collapsing on the road. And when I first read that Cole, I was like, oh my gosh, uh, talk about right place, right time. Yeah. He was a saving grace. And, um, we come to find out that this, this character, um, who, who is our main character, um, he was, he was on a run and he had, he, he suddenly just passed out and was rushed to the hospital, had no recollection of what happened or who had obviously saved his life. Um, and and that's how he does come to find um the carpenter as obviously the book is famously titled but we we find out how the carpenter isn't someone that that's very flashy he's not very tech savvy he uh but as as Nick actually kind of said off air he takes great pride in his work and he um is very meticulous and although the business card that he actually leaves with our 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 main character um it, it strictly says the carpenter and it says it has a phone number listed under that. <laughs> and at first glance, our main character is kind of like, well, what the hell is this? This guy, um, he's not a very good marketer, clearly. And there's no way he could have good business. And obviously, like Nick said, we come to find out that that's absolutely not the case. It's almost quite the contrary. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, so it was an interesting start to the book, but um, 
Nick, they do, I'll let you elaborate, they do um, begin and, and obviously build a, a very beautiful relationship through kind of a unique piece of furniture. Yeah, and so Michael, uh, he is the main character in this, and he is the gentleman that had the accident, uh, gets to meet the carpenter, and uh, right away he knows this gentleman is a very genuine and loving person, almost to the point where he kind of feels uncomfortable. <laughs> and we all know those people that are very extremely loving. It could be our grandmother or grandfather, but uh, this person is is obviously a random person Michael has never met before, and he's very welcoming. And so he actually shows up to the house, uh, and he writes blueprints to every project before he begins. And uh, Michael and just sees and hears the way he speaks and acts. And he's like, this is not a normal carpenter. Like this is, this is a guy of depth. And you realize that very early in the book. But uh, one of the first impressions that I got, or one of the first lessons I had brought to my attention through reading was this guy is all about love and being able to love other people uh, whether they like it or not, or whether they want it or not, he's going to love you. And I got to thinking to myself, you know, I could only imagine a world where everyone did share and give that genuine love to others as they try to build a business and, and hold their family life as well. Well, and it's funny you say that because um, throughout this book, there are three major principles or three major success strategies. And the first one being love. Um, and it's, Basically, they're, they're in the book, they're called the greatest success strategies of all. And, and love is the first. And so it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Nick, because, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, it's so crazy to think, one, that doing, things, doing what you love obviously makes you a lot happier and um, it, it allows for you to, to love others. It makes it easier to love others kind of through the work that you're doing or, or the situation you're dealing with or, or what have you. Um, but there's, uh, there's a quote in this book that is really interesting and it says the way, which obviously the way for, for this situation, they're building an entertainment center. Um, but like Nick said, this carpenter who is building this entertainment center for, for our, our friend, Michael, um, he's a, a man of depth. And so he's talking about the way and they're talking about life and they're talking about how um, Michael's business is kind of failing and he's obviously got health issues. And he talks about, he says, the way begins with love and love is the antidote to the fear, busyness and stress you feel. And I think that's really, um, I think that's moving because I think if, if you take nothing away from really whatever we talk about, um, I mean, love is the answer to everything, right? Love what you do and love others, and and it'll ultimately lead you to a pretty happy life. Uh, and so it's just it's funny you mentioned that is kind of your first impression because that's what I took away as well, Nick. Yeah, and not just because chronologically it was the first principle, <laughs> but because the the principle of love. And uh, I'm gonna ask the listeners this: When was the last time, whether it was a close family member, a friend, or a business colleague, that you just told someone that you love them? and just waited for their reaction. I'm wondering, it's actually a challenge I'd like to put out to you guys is just go up to a random person or maybe not a random person, I'm sorry, uh, maybe <laughs> a family member or a, or a distant cousin or, or someone anyway that influences your life in some capacity and, and share with them. Uh, you don't have to come directly out. I mean, these guys would know if I'd be uh, walking on the street, I'd probably say it to a stranger, but that's just my genuine nature. And uh, so go off and just tell someone that you either appreciate what they do or tell them that you like love and appreciate them. 
and just wait and see their reaction. I think that's why Michael is so drawn to to the carpenter is he's a little confused like where's the catch with this guy? Like is he going to when is he going to stab me in the back per se or when is he going to do something weird and he kind of has his guard up right away and and the carpenter just insists on loving and and teaching these principles and um Cole I am going to flip it over to you but uh, along with that first love principle uh he shows Michael, that there is just so much more to him in the sense that he almost is like a, a mentor in a way, or like a, a se- I don't know if secret leader is the way I want to put it, but do you know what I mean? Well, I think secret leader is is a good is a good way to say it, actually. And I know Jeremy had something to say on this topic, and so I want I want to let him go um, before I elaborate. So Jeremy, go ahead, really quick. Yeah, I think the when I we talk about love and like. I, I guess we can extend it to appreciation too is like we lack that I think as people just because of how competitive we are like uh, towards each other we like I mean I I can use myself as an example I'm a very competitive person I always want to be first I, I hate losing I hate coming in second you know but sometimes you have to be cognizant of like who you're with like not everything is a competition we don't have to go out and be like oh I uh I analyze baseball I'm the best at it well okay, well, I do it for fun, so why why is this a competition? I love what you do. Why can't you love what I do? So, like, we have to, I don't know, I think take take into, con- or take into um, consideration the context a lot, too, because not everything will ever be a competition. And to get more love and to give more love, I think you got to step out of your boundaries and just be like, yo, it's okay that this person may be succeeding even if they're maybe in my same field. Yeah, I think I think you actually hit the nail on the head with that, Jeremy. I think competitiveness and and I think just busyness gets in the way too. It, it might not be that you're trying to compete all the time because that can be exhausting, but and obviously busyness is is just as exhausting as as you know competing and being a competitive individual in any sense of the word. Um, but I think that I think busyness too. I think that wears on us and I think that numbs us almost to love and and Jeremy. I'm really glad you actually threw appreciation in there too because I think that's one thing that goes along with love. And I think they, those two things go hand in hand. When you love something, you really you take the time to appreciate it. It's not rushing around and it's, it's not uh, manufactured love or it's not manufactured appreciation. Um, true love and true appreciation for the, little, for the littlest of things or for the littlest of moments or, or for the people that are in your, your everyday life um, that maybe don't hear it every single day or from you or, or any other colleagues, friends, parents, workers, whatever. Um, I think that's incredibly true. Now, Nick, so back to your point really quick. Uh, I think secret, I think secret mentor or, or secret leader is kind of a, a, a good way to describe the carpenter. Uh, because funny enough, he, uh, like I've said with the business card, it was a very basic business card. It said the carpenter and it had a phone number. Not, and that, not only that, but when, uh, when our main character, Michael, called him to thank this, this carpenter um, for saving his life, he got voicemail, and the voicemail said something along the lines, you can't quote me exactly on this, but it was something along the lines of, um, thanks for calling, I, I'm too busy putting all of my love and effort into my work right now, um, please don't expect a call back, but I will be at this location at this time, so if you would like to talk to me, come see me then, which is, is, was his lunch hour. Uh, and so that was kind of what I, what was kind of funny because he was kind of secretive and, uh, but, but also a very, very strong individual, um, for our main character, Michael, and obviously for us reading it. Uh, but yeah, I think secret leader would be a, a good term, Nick. 
And Michael unravels that as their relationship builds, but it's just in a world where we're all about speed and instant, uh, he goes the exact opposite direction. And could you imagine for a second if you called a business and that's how they responded to you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm not going to call you back, but here's where I'll be over the lunch hour if you want to come and see me. Could you imagine doing that yourself to, to your customers? Right. I know. Yeah, it would be it'd be hard for me uh, because because of those things. And I want to be speedy in my business per se. But uh, all in all, that is just a part of his approach on how he does business. And he lets what he does and how he approaches work through the craftsmanship um, tell the story. And and when people see his work, they're just absolutely in awe. Uh, And it's almost like because he does that and has that approach and and use that as his uniqueness, uh, he's got business out the door. Uh, And that comes and shows Michael. And Michael is very shocked by that because he is kind of on that flashy note as well with his business. But uh, slowly as their relationship starts to build, uh, Michael is forced to not be at work due to the health condition of him falling and hitting his head. And uh, it's so timely that a carpenter comes in his life and starts teaching him some of these very small but very deep lessons. And um, Cole, just to kind of bridge into our next portion here, uh, the carpenter has Michael go around and get him some little things. So I believe he asked for a glass of water and and maybe some food there too. But uh, I would love for you to lead the next lesson or the next portion here for uh, for our carpenter. So you're exactly right. He as, as they're building this entertainment center. Uh, there are obviously things that have to be put in place. And so like Nick said, there's a designing process and this carpenter puts all his love and, and effort and care into uh, this, this designing this perfect entertainment center for Michael and for his family. Um, but the next, the next big success strategy and the next big topic, like Nick is saying, uh, is serving. And so that's exactly what he's talking about when the carpenter's working one day and Michael and his wife are running around the house trying to get their kids ready and off to school, try to make, make sure they catch the bus. And then uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but Ma- Michael and Sarah, Sarah is, is Michael's wife, our main character's wife. They actually work together at the same company. They started it together and they run it together. And um, so she is actually trying to get out the door to, to go to work and not only hold up her end of the bargain, but try to keep things uh, up and running on Michael's side of the business as well in his absence. But so throughout all this chaos, the, the carpenter shows up a little early to work and uh, as they're working, uh, trying to get their kids ready, he goes about getting, re- getting right to working on the entertainment center. And after Michael gets the kids off to work and, and Sarah gets to work, he, uh, he said, the carpenter says to Michael, could you just get me a glass of water? And Michael says, well, yeah, of course, you know, if you're thirsty, I'll get you a glass of water. And then the, uh, a little bit later down the road during the day, as they're working, the carpenter looks at him and says, Hey, could you get me a shrimp burrito from, from my favorite uh, lunch spot? And Michael kind of, is, you can kind of tell that Michael's like a shrimp burrito really. And, uh, but he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want. Like, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get lunch and, and I'll be back in a little bit. And so Michael does that. And um, it, it, I believe they're eating, they're eating lunch. They're eating these burritos. And uh, the carpenter says to Michael again, can you get me a glass of water? And he, gets the guy a glass of water. The guy asks for another one. And he says, yeah, of course. And he says, now you drink it. And Michael's like, what? And, and basically the carpenter tells Michael that that's a lesson on serving is Michael was doing these things for the carpenter, whether it's getting wood for the entertainment center or getting water or getting food or 
or whatever, all these things that Michael was running around doing in order to make this entertainment center uh, come to fruition was he was doing it mindlessly. He was doing it thoughtlessly without, without question. And that in the, in the car, what the is exactly what the carpenter was trying to get across to Michael is that we need to be more like that. We need to serve thoughtlessly and, and mindlessly, and we need to do it with care. And, um, obviously we want to do it with, with, um, some, somewhat of speed, but yeah, that was kind of the, that was the second lesson, Nick, on, um, on serving. And that's obviously, that's why it's our, our second big principle, um, throughout this book. I think we, or, or at least I had a mind sh- mindset shift when I read that and I really analyzed my life and my business and some of the other things going on. And, uh, I had gotten to the point where I maybe was a little selfish in thinking of how do I get the next you know deal done or how do I get the next sale and this book really helped me understand that all really we're trying to do in, in any type of industry is to serve others and the core principle of serving and the feeling you get from serving not because you're forced to do it but because you desire to do it and he was uh, doing small tasks but uh, I think the the principle was brought to Michael's attention in a, a very nice way. And uh, there again, the carpenter teaches in kind of an old school fashion, but uh, uh, the lesson of serving and how to serve properly. And this starts growing onto Michael's attention as well, because he had gotten to the point where he had a little bit of success in their business and it was starting to get to his head a little bit. Uh, they were starting to grow slightly uh, and he had forgotten what it meant to really serve others. And so as the carpenter and him are learning and, and really processing that information, Michael starts implementing some of these things with his family. And boy, does he ever see a, a direct result, especially with his family. Yeah. With, uh, funny enough, he's he's a, a basketball coach for his daughter's youth basketball team and they immediately see success. They hadn't won a game through during the season. Uh and he, Michael implements these kind of things and he, he begins to serve, um, these, these young girls as, as he coaches them in basketball and, uh, they win their first game funny enough. But Nick, it's funny you say that because I actually did this exact same thing. Um, obviously you and I work both work in sales. And so it made me think about why do we ask so many questions to customers when we go and try to pitch them? And the answer to that is we're trying to find a problem in order for us to solve it. That's how you make a sale, supposedly, according to what the sales industry experts say and, and how to pitch someone and how to close a sale. Um, but ultimately, that becomes kind of mundane, I feel like, and it becomes kind of automated because we were expected to learn these pitches and ask these automated kind of cookie cutter questions in order to, to, to find that. Um, and that's it kind of made me think actually about my experience and how ingenuine I must have come across to some people. And I mean, it's so funny. I hope someday that I get the chance to to sit down with someone who um, maybe isn't looking to, to go to a baseball game, you know, obviously in my case, go to a baseball game for, for client purposes, but more just to take their kid to a baseball game. And I get to be that intermediary and to, to build a relationship mm. there uh, in a personal life more than, more than a professional life. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting kind of the, the things you think about and the things that are, that are taken away um, throughout this book. But Jeremy, I know you had something, so I'll let you go ahead. So us three, I, I believe we all, we all work service jobs, right? We don't provide goods. We provide services, right? So how are we supposed to be good at our jobs if we're not good at service and being servants? Like it would be borderline impossible. Like you need to develop the skills in service to be good at a service job. 
and I think by like doing these, like, like I struggle with like tasks. Like I personally struggle with tasks. Like when someone asks me to do something, I I like to question it a lot. Like I've always been that way, but to become a better, you know, just uh, employee or person to like be around, just there's some things you just gotta do that you just you can't question, and. And once you start being able to like separate the the tasks that you can question and the tasks that you shouldn't question out, that's when you become a good uh, service level employee, I think. Well, and it's it's interesting too that you say that because that's a hundred percent true. And I'm going to take it just one step farther to the point where you get really good at being just a service industry employee. Continue to be that genuine person that that is asking genuine questions. Don't. Don't just get good and then continue to do what got you good or, or continue to do those same technique techniques that, that you've seen and experienced success from, um, continue to, to, to ask genuine things and try to genuinely solve problems for people and ask questions that are meaningful, not just cookie cutter, or just because they're a part of your pitch or, or because you're expected to ask them. Uh, I think that's truly when you get to the root of finding people's problems being um being a true a true success in professional but also like jeremy said just just being a a successful person to be around because people can detect when you're up to something and people can detect when you're transactional um they can sense that right away especially in sales I, i think it might differ a little bit jeremy in your industry but regardless like you had mentioned our job is to serve and uh, our job also is to let people know we are genuine. I think that there's so much, a, such a volume and such a competition in the world uh, uh, that people can probably anticipate. And I know for sure in sales, they anticipate, you know, within the first 10 seconds of you, you know, connecting with them on the first note, they, uh, they definitely think you're up to something. But uh, I think to add on to the serving part and what makes the carpenter so cool to me is the uniqueness in his approach. So he could choose to go into his house, Michael's house, make a, a, a very average, you know, masterpiece that he's trying to do or, or a very average table or something and then just get in and get out. But he goes so far to the service level of the next level that I think all of those things really start to rub off on Michael to understand like this guy and the way he goes about his business is definitely so unique. And now it starts to make sense why he has so much business. And uh, where this becomes relevant again is when they're actually in the the hardware store, I believe it is. Um, we could say Menards, um, but those two are walking <laughs> around and and getting new project uh, products for the the thing that their entertainment center that they're building. And everyone in the store is talking to this guy. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, there's Jay. There's Jay. Let's see how he's doing." And Jay stops and talks to all of them. And uh, that moment. Michael has to step back a little bit and he's like, holy cow, like this guy is the real deal. And then we really start to uncover some of the depth of why Jay does what he does, the level of mastery he does and how to really serve people and not just say, hey, uh, this is call number 13 on my day. I'm Nick. Do you want this? Here's a widget. Do you want a widget? And then leave. He just has that approach to him where he gets to know people he cares and he goes the extra mile. And that is something that Michael really sees, picks up, and then also implements as well. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know, we teamed up with our guys over at Driftless. You guys may have heard Clayton Lieb come on the podcast and do an interview with us. Well, we got a promo code going on with them. Type in State Street at checkout and you get 10% off your entire cart. Get things like the hats, the hoodies, the t-shirts, the stickers. 
The hoodies and the tees, you guys, let me tell you, they're some of the softest clothes you'll ever wear. They look great on men and women. They got a new women's line coming out very, very soon. Guys, go get some of these tees, hoodies. The, the hats got great designs, and the stickers will look good on water bottles and laptops. Our third, our third success strategy is actually care. Um, and I think that's interesting because it, it, care and service kind of go hand in hand, especially in this instance. Uh, there's a story in the book. It's not actually a part of their building strategy, but uh, it's a story that the carpenter tells to our main character. And he talks about how um, when he's building cabinets, he always uses the best and finest wood for the back of the cabinet. Not because that's what people see and that's, when get, that's what's going to get him noticed, but because it's what people don't see. And it, it affirms to, to, our, to the carpenter that he's doing his best work and he's putting his best foot forward. And I think that's important because it, it, I think that, toes the, that story toes the line between service and care. It toes service because that's doing your absolute best and that's having a servant heart and that's, that's using the best of what you have for something that, that may not be what people deem as quote-unquote important. Um, and it also obviously goes to a level of care because if you're going to do that, you clearly have to care for what you're doing and you, have to, you clearly have to care for the people you're doing it for. And so those, that's what makes the, the servant and, and the care part go hand in hand. And that was like level, so we, if we rated it one to five, so just the, the first principle being love and unconditional love. So like, even though there is competition out there, we can still love them at the end of the day. Secondly, serving. So serving in general, just being of service and of use, but this care is probably that plus four or plus five on our scale because it takes serving to the next level. It's following up with those people and keeping your word to them and following through what you said you're going to do. It's when you give a project to somebody or you delegate a task, you come back to them and say, thank you. What good work you did. This next level stuff over time is really what built Jay's reputation and makes him the most sought after carpenter in the industry. And yet these things are so simple. They're so simple as he notes. And it's almost, it almost bothers me how simple it is. <laughs> well, isn't that the case though? The, the most, the most powerful messages and the things that we would Things that make the most difference are the most simple. And it, it's kind of funny because that's exactly actually how this book was written. It talks about how our, our world and our society is made to believe that the busyness and the craziness and the new and the flashy is, is, is the best. And, and that's what's going to trump everything else. When in reality, um, simple and genuine is what people truly want. And um, it, it's, it's, it's just... It's interesting to think that our world is at such a point where, where all we crave is new. What's next? What, who, like who, who has done something for me lately? Or what have, what have you done for me lately? That's what I was trying to say. Um, when in reality, it's simple messages, simple lessons, simple acts of service, simple acts of love, simple acts of care, being genuine with one another. Um, those are major takeaways that, yeah, Nick, you're exactly right. They may seem simple. And, and obviously we're not perfect at them either. And, and they are simple concepts. Um, but it's, it's just a matter of applying them to your daily life and making, and, and, and truly caring and truly accepting the challenge of making it a part of your day, day in and day out. 
Yeah, and I think that with, as you pointed out, your challenge, and I appreciate you doing that, and I always think it's advantageous for us as uh, people to, you know, when we get in our comfort zones or when we're kind of reeling and dealing, going through the weeks and the months, we, we always need something to strive for. I feel like that's at least when I'm at my best is when I'm going after a goal or, or trying to develop a skill set in some capacity. But uh, that was one of the, the other things that I was going to do to my desk here this week and the remainder of the year is try to be as not only as genuine as possible, but try to really bring a unique form of service to the marketplace and uh, cultivate a way that's like, wow, that that guy, he was not a, an atypical salesman. Like he, there was something different because I, I just admired so much on the carpenter's approach because again, it was so simple. It was so simple, but yet he was the one that was the most sought after in town. And um, anyway, not to get too long winded on that topic, but uh, I do want to talk about implementation a little bit. Um, so Michael gets these great bits of advice. He's learning so much on the personal side and his family is starting to really come together. And, and professionally, he is t daunted with the task of coming back to this uh, nearly failed business to implement the same things. And uh, he's trying his best. He's really doing well along with his wife. And uh, there, there was a little bit of a road bump and a little bit of a failure that came along. And uh, he came back to the carpenter very discouraged. And uh, the carpenter's message was uh, there again, very simple. Um, but uh, this is another thing I think is important that we talk about on this episode specifically, Cole. Um, I'm going to see if you got it nailed out. I'm pretty sure you do. But if not, we'll, we'll go there. Well, you're exactly right. So they lose their biggest client, right? And that's, and, and ultimately the, their company Sarah and Michael, our, our husband and our wife, our main character, um, their company is called Social Connect. And it doesn't exactly define exactly what the company is or what it does in the book, uh, but it's some sort of tech company. And, and so that's where you can understand as a reader where the busyness and the craziness and maybe even the automation would come into play, right? Um, but as Nick said, yeah, they, they come across some hardship. They lose their biggest client that's keeping them afloat. And Michael's like, well, what am I going to do? We, we, need to, we need to get clients that we, we, we just lost our biggest client. So we need to go out and we need to get a bunch, get a number of clients to supplement that, that income or, or those sales that we don't have coming in now. Um, and he's all, all along, he's trying to implement these things of love, serve and care into his workplace. And he does. And people take to it very well and they begin to do it, but they're still not seeing results. And uh, there's a, there's, a, there's a quote, and obviously, like we just said, simple is, it's crazy how simple some of these things can be, but, um, and I, I, think it, I think it applies to Michael's situation, and I think it applies to a lot of people's situations when you deal with failure, when you deal with loss, when you deal with a tragedy that, that could be life-changing, and uh, it's actually a Nelson Mandela quote in the book, and he says, don't judge me by my successes, judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Yeah, just a, an absolute hammer of a, of a thought process there. It's almost as if uh, he is turning, again, the mindset shift from it's not look at me and, and what I've accomplished. It's look how many times I've faced adversity and then gotten back up. And in this book, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, uh, but there's a lot of other references to very successful people in, in different industries that talks about failure. And it talks about it in a way that is almost the, the way he says it failure isn't fatal and i and i liked how he noted that because it's almost like we should go to that level or work at a level where we anticipate or almost desire failure because of high levels of activity or because we're presenting big ideas and there's so much that is gained in those failures and being able to extract that data and learn from that and 
Um, they uh, they almost give up. Michael almost gives up, and uh, the carpenter. It's almost as if he's waiting for for him to go through that <laughs> in a timely way, and uh, he ends up coming back and. Uh, along with the the failure bit and, and adversity and continue to move forward, uh, one of the things I wanted to throw out there too is is patience. We uh, we almost forget about that in in some sense because we are so go go go. And uh, the carpenter just very pleasantly reminds Michael, "Hey man, this isn't going to happen in thirty to sixty days. You know, this is going to happen in a year, two, five down the road." And boy, I don't know about you guys, but being patient is something I struggle with every single day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, because we live in a world of instant gratification, right? I mean, Jeremy, you you work you work in data analytics. I mean, whether it's sports or not, like that's a, a job that requires fast fast numbers. It requires fast action, and and I mean, I can't imagine because obviously I don't work in it, but I, I'm sure it can be tough to to try to be genuine or try to do your absolute best work when speed is a key factor. I mean, there's there's definitely times where it's like. I'll send something out and someone will be like, oh, thank you very much. And I just forget to respond sometimes. And like, I feel bad about it. Cause I'm like, I want to like know that I appreciate that you enjoy me working hard to get my, get what you need. But I also want to talk about Nick's, Nick's failure point, because I think for me, at least, I think failure is one of the biggest educators you can have. And like, if you don't fail, you're not learning to me. So like, all throughout school, like I'll, I'll always go back to calculus three, where I failed my my final project, and it took a it took a lot for me to like get back on the horse and be like, yo, I actually want to stay in um, software engineering, and it it, to- it taught me that I really needed to put in the time to study because, dude, calculus isn't easy, and <laughs> up until calculus you don't three, say. no, up until calc three, like I never studied for a math test ever in my life, like so. Like walking into Upper Iowa, never studied for a test before. Calc three changed, like literally rocked my world. And, and after that, I, I I decided that it was time for me to put in the time and and actually become a successful person because I wanted to learn from my failures and not dwell on them. Well, I'm glad you brought that failure piece back up because when Nick brought that up, I actually did wanna I did wanna talk on that just really quick uh, because I, I thought about that exact quote that Nick said and something kind of popped in my mind. Failure is not meant to defeat us. Failure is meant to deter us. Defeat is ultimately what you want to avoid, right? Defeat, there's no coming back from defeat. When you lose, it's over. But failure, and, and, and failure can, can, can feel like a loss, and obviously failure in sports, let's say, just because we're all familiar with it, I mean, can come in the form of a loss. Now, realistically, one loss throughout a season, does that mean you can't win a championship? No. Does that mean you can't make a sale? No. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought that was, it was kind of an interesting thing that just popped into my head is that failure, do, it, it, it's not meant when we fail just to stop right there. Just like Jeremy is saying, we're supposed to learn from that experience and we're supposed to learn how not to do something. And ultimately it, it deters us to the right way of thinking, the right solution and, and the right way to go about things. Yeah. And I mean, you can. You can fail like once in a while, like failing's fine and like, but just don't make it a habit, I think is probably the biggest thing. Like failure is fine. Learning from failure is fine. Like, and, and I encourage learning from failure. I'd like, don't get me wrong, but like, try not to make it a habit though. Like, well, I think, I think what you're trying to say is fail forward, right? Don't just yeah, don't, fail forward. Don't fail mindlessly. 
Just and and don't fail at the same thing over and over again. Don't too. make the same mistake twice. I was just, I was just gonna say that. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's important not to not to make the the same mistake twice because that shows that you're actually learning from your failure. When we make the same mistake over and over again, that's how. Um, that well, that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, you you do the same thing over and over again, keep failing. Like uh, to me, that's insanity, and I think like I think that is the textbook definition of insanity, where it's like you know keep failing keep failing keep failing over and over again and you're not changing anything like dude like that's like that's a sign that you should you should change right and and change is obviously imminent and um obviously that's one thing that we we love to talk about on on this podcast is is change um but i mean dude what as far as final thoughts go uh we're gonna wrap this up and and we're gonna tie it up and put a nice bow on it what uh like when i say the words love serve and care jeremy what does that mean to you i mean it's it's three things that i think a lot of us everyone that listens to this podcast could probably implement more in their life love you need to love what you do and you well maybe not even love what you do just enjoy what you do but love the results i would say love being able to come in and make someone else happy maybe and that leads to service be a good servant don't just question question others don't just question like why you're doing something sometimes you just got to pull up the big boy pants and just do it just just because you love doing stuff and you love being a servant and then care care the final thing is like care is a big thing for me you need to be able to care about what you do and once you do care about what or once you do care enough about what you do everything becomes much more easier i would agree i would agree i i think that yeah, I think you I think you're exactly right. I think I think it's important and, and this is one thing that I am definitely gonna try to do a lot better job of is you know, when I get back to work is, is implementing those three things in the fashion of obviously with customers, because that's that's where you get your revenue from and that's where you get the your your money and that's ultimately how you get paid, right? But but doing it with coworkers too, because it, it becomes very easy to to brush coworkers aside or if you're busy and, or, or you're dealing with something kind of stressful even to um, maybe pass by the needs of, of those around you and those trying to work with you towards the same goal. Um, and so, Jeremy, I think you're exactly right. I think you made a lot of good points. Um, and obviously, I would challenge everyone to try and love, serve, and care for, for someone new, someone that, that, like Nick said earlier, you haven't done in a while or maybe ever, or maybe it's someone you just met. Um, and so you guys, I, I, I will say we, we lost Nick just, just because of power. Um, and so he's not going to get to, to talk about his last impressions. I know he took a lot away from it though. Um, he's a, he's a wise guy and, and he knows, um, he knows all of these things are, are crucial to ultimately success and, and becoming a, a better individual in life and, and in profession and for friends and family. Um, but until next time, guys. <laughs>